welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast uh, with your host as always, Alan, uh, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes uh, in Smithfield Market, Belfast. For this podcast, this is actually going to be a bit of a, a new angle on what we've been doing so far. We've been doing, obviously, the previews podcasts, the reviews podcasts, um, we've been reviewing movies every so often, and then we started recently a book club. This one's kind of a little bit of a book club, but I want this to be a open podcast to regulars of the store. Uh, I like the idea of getting many different voices on here and hearing different stories from different people. Um, <clears throat> the idea for this podcast actually came from who I'm about to introduce you to. Um, so I'm joined today by Jared. Hello, nice to be on the show for once. Indeed, he just hears all about these all the time. But <laughs> as soon as we told him he could come over for Sunday Roast yeah. and do a podcast, I finally got him. Yeah. Um, I first floated this idea of recording a podcast with Jared a few months ago simply because he had mentioned to me that uh, years ago he had done some notes on what we're about to talk about and he had, had the idea of sort of starting up a blog and stuff like that. But one reason or another, it, it just didn't happen. But the fact that he had prepared so much and that uh, a certain title had meant so much to him, I thought this would be a good idea for a podcast. So um, I suppose I should just uh, introduce you to Jared a little bit, um, first of all. So how did you first find our store? Uh, I think, first of all, I was actually recommended by one of the other re uh, regulars, Brandon, who had uh, told me about the store and how he would always, you know, that's where he picked up his comics. I just came back from Scotland, so I didn't really... All I knew about was Forbidden Planet, so mm -hmm. the thought of like an actual comic shop, I just I had nobody really, didn't have didn't have any idea that even existed in the nicest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. I mean, we were obviously we're obviously still in a position where we're st people are still you know finding out about the store and so forth. But um, it was just funny because when Jared first came in, he he did mention to me that Brandon had been sort of good enough to pass on about the store to us, and it was quite a good story when he first came in because. He approached me and said, um, I'm looking for something specific. Uh, do you guys have Batman Earth 1 Volume 3 and stuff? <laughs> and I sort of looked at him a little bit strangely like, uh, that's not out yet. Um, he was like, oh, a mate of mine told me it was definitely out. And I thought, yeah. well, these guys are gearing up to do this title Doomsday Clock. And yeah. as we now know, a year and a half, nearly two years later. <laughs> it wasn't um, even out at that point, wasn't it? No, no but they had solicited for it because it came out in November 2017. I think it was around November-ish. Yeah. 2017, you'd come in because it was when we had the first store, which was the slightly smaller unit. And now, obviously, we've, we've been lucky enough to move. But um, but yeah, he came in. Um, obviously, we didn't have that title because here we are two years later and it still doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, we'll get there one day. We'll which, get there one day. Which, for someone new coming into a economy book store and then making an absolute ass of themselves in front of someone who is like oh well that's just me looking like a complete asshole now <laughs> <You know? laughs> well hopefully you didn't feel like that too much <laughs> no I mean I, it, I mean what we like to do in the store we do like to think that we do have an approachable sort of demeanour and you know we know that everyone's knowledge of comics or level of their reading will all be different so um, we ended up getting chatting that day and obviously he's a big Batman fan and um ended up leaving that day I believe with Cordovales started the, yeah. the Snyder run and then 
from then on I think you came in about another week maybe two weeks later and was like I really enjoyed that what should I read next Mm -hmm. and as soon as that idea came up I pulled out my diary and at the back of it I created a Jared reading list yeah Um, and there was two columns so there was Batman titles that he had read we sat down one day and went through everything I brought you a list you did (laughs) and then uh, I had ones that I would recommend that you hadn't read so I would sort of get them in for Jared on a sort of fortnightly basis that kind of thing and there would always Mm -hmm. be something new um, it was a bit, uh, it was a bit overwhelming at the start because you know, I had just gone in the Forbidden Planet and then you just see like what I remember explaining to you is like you see, you see New Fifty Two, and then there was Detective Comics and then there were advertising Metal as well. I was mm-hmm. like, where do you even start? Yeah. Type thing and that was the big problem for me. I was like, where do you even begin? Type and then obviously Court of Owls is the perfect starting place for anyone really. So. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, it, it can be a little overwhelming. You know, the comic industry's been going, you know, 80 plus years. Um, and finding starting points for people, I think, can be a little overwhelming. But yeah. again, it's something we do we do our best to, you know, try and have starting points in the store for people. And, and anyone who's in the store, and Jared's probably heard me then say it about 100 times since anyone, you know, he's been sitting at the counter and someone will say, I'm looking to get into Batman, where should I start? <laughs> and before the words are even out of my mouth, I can see him mouthing, um, so yeah I mean then you know Jared's become a good friend through the store um, eventually he had to accept I have to read single issues yeah it was pretty much it was actually Doomsday Clock wasn't it yeah. or midway through the 50s of Batman yeah I think much. I think you wanted issue 50 because it was sort of going to be a momentous yeah. issue and then you were going to use that as your jumping on point because for a good year Jared was a strict trade guy yeah. that was it I'm not interested <laughs> just, in singles yeah I just I just, I don't really want, don't really want to start collecting properly and then you know, <laughs> next thing you know I'm being left of Doomsday Clock Talks and then it's like after reading Watchmen as well so that yeah. was another story really well that's it I mean the, the well, I like to think the store is nice and social and obviously we chat a lot about comics and stuff but we're we're conscious of the fact we don't want to throw out spoilers to people so I think with Jared it was a case of I don't want to be left out of the conversation yeah, anymore much, yeah. maybe I should just jump into this so yeah I mean uh, one of the reasons I finally talked him into doing this podcast with me is because unfortunately he is going to be leaving us soon he's heading over he's not dying or anything yeah. don't worry um, he's moving over to Dundee um, new job yes new career new start away from hospitality <laughs> away from the joys of Boozham yeah. and so forth um, so we are we are going to miss him but as I say I use that as a, a sort of an excuse for a well before you go we definitely have to do this because we talked about it for a while yeah um, so I suppose I should let you state what is the comic that got you in to comics it would have to be Frank Miller's magnum opus you know all star Batman and Robin <laughs> no holy terror holy terror <laughs> no Dark Knight Returns Dark Knight uh, Returns I mean yes. you can't start with a better title can you no it's it's untouchable for me to be honest in mm-hmm. terms of I mean I would say that it's probably the best the best Batman story ever written mm-hmm. um, why I've said it's the best comic book ever written is completely subjective obviously yeah because um, <clears throat> he's written for both sides of the aisle um but for me, it's probably the, the the best Batman title ever written. Mm-hmm. You know, even just keeping it within Batman, but I could I could say I think a lot of people would probably agree that it's probably the best DC title ever written. But mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> things like Watchmen exist, and there are strong competitors to it. Yeah. Um. Again, <clears throat> like Court of Owls, probably for a lot of people, probably yourself as well, up there with like at least yeah. top three. But I, I think most people would probably hold Dark Knight Returns, even if they don't 
like it personally, mm-hmm. which I don't know why they wouldn't. <laughs> like it's uh, okay to be wrong. Sometimes, <laughs> um, they can't really argue with the, it's important the the impact that the comics had. Yeah, even after it's made with all the references like from like other comic books and stuff and you know films like Batman, Superman, stuff like that. So. Yeah. No, that's it. I mean, uh, I think that it's you know I think that. Um, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams when they did Batman in the 70s they certainly helped bring Batman to a more mature audience but Frank Miller then took that up another notch yeah. with Dark Knight Returns so um, just just the basic info on Dark Knight Returns I mean it it probably is one of the most recognisable comic titles it probably is one of the most read comic titles mm-hmm. um, but just in case you don't know about it um, so it was originally released in 1986 um, it was a four issue prestige format series so you, you essentially had four 64-page issues, square bound, so it just felt luxury as well. Um, written by Frank Miller, uh, art also by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen, and then colours by Lynn Varley. So Dark Knight Returns was a trailblazer in a lot of ways. One, as I say, it's, it's a very adult-orientated title. Uh, two, again, it felt special the way it was released. It helped Batman grow up a lot. But I think one of the main things for it for me is that and one of the things that you're still feeling the impact to some of the biggest titles of this day is that you never really saw a superhero get old. Yeah. You know, you in comics, super superheroes are kind of ageless. You like know, twenty nine Batman is or something. Yeah, I mean, I always have an image in my head of Batman in his early thirties. Yeah. Um, sort of peak physical condition. He's in my mind. If I'm reading a Batman story, Batman's been Batman for ten years. I don't know yeah. why. It's just he's been Batman for ten years. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether he's against <clears throat> the Court of Isles, Hush, Joker, whatever. In my mind, Batman's mid-30s, peak physical condition, old enough that he can be a mentor, but young enough that he's still like the top of the game. Yeah. So for this to be an introduction of a character who's suddenly 55 years old yeah. um, is, is nuts. Um, and you yeah. know, to bring it to modern comics a little bit, there's a great title at the moment called Spider-Man Life Story which is showing Peter Parker getting older yeah like you can still see the impact of Dark Knight Returns and this is 33 years later yeah you know well that's what Frank Miller was saying as well when he made it he's like he wanted to make Batman older than he was yeah and he says was he says the impossible age of 50 or something like that you know and yeah. that was back in the 80s sort of thing so he obviously just went ah, I just want to make him older <laughs> so because I don't want I don't want I don't want to be older than Batman type thing you know well, I mean, he, he wrote Dark Knight Returns. He wrote Batman very out of um, order, in a sense, because his first Batman story was smack bang in the middle of his career. His second Batman story was Dark Knight Returns, which is at the end of his career. Mm. Then he went back to the start of his career <laughs> and defined that with Batman Year One. Essentially wrote the definitive origin yeah. um, for the character as well. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's... It, I, I would agree with your statement with regards to A, the quality, and B, the importance. I mean, Dark Knight Returns is... A stalwart in my top three bad stories yeah, of all time. It's pretty uncheckable. <laughs> yeah, it. I don't think it'll ever leave it. Um, Dark Knight Returns is one of those ones that I read once a year without fail. Yeah, I read Watchmen once a year without fail. I read Year One once a year without fail. Um, and I always get something new from it. Um, I mean, even you were saying the other day. I mean, we'll we'll jump into the meat of bones and yeah. the meat and bones in this in a moment. But I thought it was interesting. You had mentioned to me the other day that you had a. Uh, a wee quick read through it again yeah. and you notice this little tiny detail when bandages are being unwrapped from Harvey Dent's face yeah, that they, they actually split the image split the down page. the middle yeah. um, it's sort of smaller things like that like I know um, that I had never really picked up before because it was this is pretty much the first graphic novel that I ever read so I just sort of 
I just never really picked up on that sort of thing. Yeah. So what reading it again, just looking at the art, and I was like, okay, that's actually pretty cool. Because like Watchmen does it a lot as well. It's just like the how the art actually portrays the story as well. Well, I mean, let's let's jump into it. We've both got a copy of um, Dark Knight Returns in front of us. Um, let's see. So Dark Knight Returns, as I say, it kicks off um, in an interesting way where. Bruce Wayne is basically racing in like this, um, it's almost like an Indy 500 type race across Gotham um, and straight away I'm blown away by the art instantly simply because I think a lot of stories will start off with a big splash page or a big look at our great art. Yeah. This starts off with 16 panels on the first page. <laughs> Just straight in there. like Straight in there you've got, you know, and they're, and they're all different sizes, you've got you know, you've got like his inner monologue above his head, but at the same time, there's there's lines of dialogue as yeah. well. Um, but but the one that always the line that always hit me the most in this was where um, so the car starts to he's basically going too fast in the car. He's pushing it too hard. Suddenly, flames are appearing. Voices in his ear are like, you know, can't you know it isn't programmed to go this yeah. fast, Bruce. But the car starts exploding, and the line that always struck me at the start was. This would be a good death, but not good enough. Yeah. So instantly straight away, you're just like, well, it sort of it sort of it sets the tone for the whole book, really. Like, it's straight in. It's telling you exactly what's going on. You know, like he almost has a death wish. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like that, it's good. It'll, it'll be good to die here, but it wouldn't be that good. You know, like, I could die better. <laughs> sort of thing. Well, that's yeah. it. I mean, if you you break down the character of Batman, I mean, when he when he was first created, he was seen as like this. I don't want to say happy-go-lucky, but he was seen as this, you know, rich guy who's like, "Oh, I'm going to clean up Gotham." But yeah. when you get into the more adult-oriented Batman stuff, he essentially is a guy that does have a death wish. You know, he jumps off of buildings, he <laughs> swings across Gotham, he's in a fast car at all times, he's going up against some of the most psychotic and homicidal maniacs in the city. Yeah. So, in a sense, he does have a death wish, but I don't think I'd ever seen it so explicit until yeah. here. Um, is it going back to it, like? Maybe if you'd never read Batman at this point, you don't really know he's he's retired. Yeah. So in this, in reading back, and you go, okay, he is retired, so he's he's obviously trying to find that adrenaline rush they used to get from being Batman. Like, yeah. I'm going 200 miles here. 200 miles. So I, I could die here. This feels great because I, I haven't felt this in 10 years because he's been ba- he's been out of business for so long. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Even like, he almost looks more like Robocop at the, yeah. the start here than Batman because which of is, the, the shape of the helmet, which is interesting. Which is you know very timely because Peter Weller playing doing the voice of Batman yeah in, in the in animated the, movie as yeah. well but um, and also I believe Frank Miller wrote was it Robocop 2 he wrote one of the Robocop movies yeah. anyway um, but yeah as I say the the fact that it starts off with a 16 page panel art and then it, it jumps after that to a lot of sort of TV commentary this is always a good way of you know letting you know what's going on in that world you know very quickly so yeah. you know you see Gordon is you know receiving death threats you see that he's getting ready to retire you know he's there's a little close up on the TV of him and it's like I've got four weeks to nail those bastards you know yeah. that kind of thing and then this is where as you say with when you see Bruce the first time you maybe think oh he's still Batman yeah but on the second page it says you know today marks the 10th anniversary of the last recorded sighting of the Batman dead or retired we still don't know yeah. um but I really like this well. This is a, a, another lovely touch. Like, this is such a well-written book in the details. <laughs> but just a little bit there of, our younger readers will not remember the Batman. A recent <laughs> survey actually say that most high schoolers consider him a myth. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's just great, great writing. Um, I think on the second page really sets the tone for 
Bruce more than anything. Like um, when he's talking to Jim Gordon, they're sort of rec- like reckless, like talking about the past, mm-hmm. and he's walking through the streets of Gotham. Um, you sort of get the sense of how he feels about not being Batman. He's, he's like he says, "I'm a zombie, a flying Dutchman, uh, a dead man, ten years dead." So he, you know he's considering himself dead, even though he's he's literally still alive. But mm-hmm. Batman was his life, so if Batman's not about. He's, he's dead on the inside essentially you know he has no meaning so he's obviously going to try and get that adrenaline rush of nearly dying in a car crash but he's fine with that sort of thing you know well it's even interesting at that point because you know he still has his wealth and his resources as you find out as you go through it it's not like he's some homeless bum now yeah but he's obviously never felt he can help Gotham as Bruce Wayne because you would think in these 10 years he would maybe have done something yeah but as you say he's just like yeah I've been dead for and 10 years even the even the guy holding the signs and we are damned there's, I mean there's, there's so much <laughs> subtle hints to the about how Bruce feels about not yeah. being Batman anymore you know and it's interesting as well that's probably the um, the first time in a Batman book that it's been revealed that Commissioner Gordon knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman oh yeah never, you, know, never saw about that, you know he's like oh remember the old days Bruce that playboy routine you with your ginger ale um, and then again as well just the world building's good where you know Gordon says spoken to Dick lately and Bruce says you know not for seven years you know that but you still like that never really gets built upon yeah, but it's still sort of like that's why there's not a Robin by his side, or that's you know it's not like Dick has taken over as Batman, or there's mm. been a successor or anything like that. How death in the death death in the family already happened. This death in yeah. the family, yeah, it happened with obviously Jason Todd, and you know where, where Jason dies at the hands of the Joker um, prior to this. So, um, but yeah, as you say, he's walking home. You know, he's um, he still feels confident enough in his own ability, even as an old man, like. Mm. If someone jumps me, I can defend myself with nothing to worry about here. Um, but I like that he actually does get jumped by this mutant gang, and they're too afraid to jump. They're about to start, and they're like, oh, "I don't know, he's a bit big." Man. He, he, he looks in, he looks into it as well. I don't want to continue with this, but at the same time, he still feel he feels he's failed in his mission as Batman because you know he basically you know falls to the ground, and he's like, you know, this world is theirs now. Yeah, you know, I, f- I feel like obviously you know it is the first issue so it's it's obviously setting up a lot it's setting up the world you know it's mm-hmm. setting up setting up the characters and where they are where Gotham is like you know they're in the middle of a heat wave it's causing all these um, all this crime to happen with the mutant gang and yeah it drives people yeah. crazy as they say yeah and it's going through all the it sort of gets through the characters pretty quickly like you're only a few pages in it's talking about Batman it's talking about setting up a new villain setting up the, the environment and it's straight to the Joker and then straight to Two Face. You know, I mean, it's it, it's quickly. It's you know. It's really efficient. Yeah, it's it, it, it. I assume it, it 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 thinks the reader already knows who these characters are. Yeah. You know? But even just the efficiency of like they're talking about the mutants, and I've just seen that line of dialogue there. This just in: a dead cat has been found stable to the door of the first <laughs> church. The mutant gang is suspected. Like it's sort of shown of like how low they are and how violent they are. Yeah. You know because. It, it's really weird in a way that maybe it's something to do with modern society I don't know violence against humans is one thing but violence against animals is yeah, always seen as worse with the new low but um, yeah as you say you're, you're then going to Arkham at this point and you've got the Joker who's just in the background and you know as you go on through this you see that the Joker ever since Batman disappeared has just like, had no purpose you yeah. know he's, um, lost his, he's lost his meaning too <laughs> but just again a little detail and again I've, I've read this book so many times and I've only just noticed it you had mentioned before about like how they split the like two face in half. Yeah, he's in room six hundred two because he's always obsessed with two. 
the number two. Oh, right, okay. And Joker's in 601, which sort of makes him like the number one villain. <laughs> but because Harvey's always been obsessed with two, yeah. I, I only just noticed he's in room 602. Um, but yeah, so you've got these um, doctors, psychiatrists, plastic surgeons who are convinced they can, you know, heal Two Face. Mm. And they wrap it, they take the bandages off, and, you know, he's back to being Harvey Dent. Oh, he looks like Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah, and these guys are all really smug about it, and, you know. I believe at one point um, they give Harvey a coin and he's able to show that both sides oh, yeah. are clean. They're not scratched or anything. Yeah. But I like as well that it shows that straight away Superman exists straight away in this world. The doctors are wearing Superman t-shirts as well. Yeah, um, so again, Bruce is going back to you know the nightmares of you know when his parents were killed and yeah. discovering the Batcave, and th- this is the only part of it that it works in the book for me. But when I watch the animated movie, it's a little bit silly. Um, which is where he's in sort of a trance and sleepwalking yeah. and he somehow shaves his moustache while sleepwalking because <laughs> a ridiculously old Alfred is still around at this point. He must be like over a hundred years old. I mean you have to think if Alfred, I always think of Alfred as in his 60s yeah. so if you say he's in his 60s, Batman, Bruce is in his early 30s, 55 at 25, like he must be mid to late 80s so yeah. he's definitely an old guy at this point Well um, it's like that the whole thing about for me Bruce in this story is that it almost feels like he has PTSD on top of his PTSD from he has PTSD from his parents then but now he has PTSD from not being Batman yeah. and he's being hunted by these dreams he's almost like he's being because in the later pages you see like the giant bat in his dreams attacking him and yeah. like, caught, like almost like assaulting him because it's like you know he can't really escape being Batman you know because he's he's dead otherwise yeah not even age can stop yeah. being Batman <laughs> essentially yeah but again going back to sort of the efficiency of the storytelling here one page you've got a smiling Harvey Dent and with his you know coin that's newly minted and the next page it's like uh police are uh, issued an all points bulletin for Dent <laughs> and so straight away he's already returned to yeah. his crime um, to his criminal ways and again you see a scratch coin again within a it's, there's there's a lot of um I'm trying to find the word like you can't like you can't, it's like no matter how no matter how much you change you, you're always going to be the same yeah. which is the big theme for this I think this book no yeah. matter how much Bruce doesn't want to be Batman he will be Batman he's always going to be Batman and it's the same with same with Dent you can, yeah. you can fix his face but at the end he's still going to be Harvey Dent yeah and the Joker may have his years of not doing anything <laughs> but eventually he's going to come back and murder hundreds of people <laughs> uh, which you see later on yeah. Alfred's always going to be a smartass no matter yeah. what I love that line it's like if the face an empty wine cellar <laughs> I see that they're going to yeah. be another taken almost word for word for Batman v Superman yeah yeah. (laughs) Um, then after that you get again Bruce almost living inside this dream of the night his parents died now this is something that we've seen almost ad nauseum at this point we've seen it a million times but back then you hadn't really seen you know no one had really delved into the horror of the night he lost his parents and that visceral violence and you know the the pearls being ripped off of his mother's neck and all this kind of stuff. So again, you're just getting more and more visceral here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's almost like it's being narrated by the bat. <laughs> yeah. You know in your soul, for I am your soul, you cannot escape me. It's like, yeah. and you see him. It's actually, it's, it's really good because like, the tension in the scene builds up so well because he's flicking through the TV channels and there's just all of these people, like all the murderers and everything. And, and like, you say, you could like, even reading it, you can tell there's a lot of tension in it because yeah. you know he has to do something. And he's being tortured by this, you know, the mental image of a bat, you know, and he's like, he knows that he has to, he can't really escape from it, so he's just going to embrace it. Yeah. Um, 
Well, that's it. It's you know lines. You know you cannot stop me. Not with wine or bars <laughs> or the weight of age. You cannot stop me, but still you try. Still you run. You try to drown me out, but your voice is weak. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean it's as you say, and then it obviously culminates with the you know the bat crashing in through the window. Yeah. Um, and then you get like this rumble of thunder through the the Gotham sort of skylight i think this is probably one of the best build-ups to a reveal of a character i've ever read yeah. ever because it's just you know you see all this stuff happening and you know you can so you can just easily you so easily picture in your mind with like you know with the like the thunder and the lightning and everything but happening yeah. in gotham because it's finally you know because it's it's finally started to rain from it's like it's finally started to rain in gotham after this heat wave and it's, yeah. the thunder, and it's dark again and you're about and, to get this baptism yeah <laughs> you know a little bit of symbolism yeah. in there yeah but yeah, you have all this horrible stuff, you know, just a woman walking home with her groceries and then this, like, creepy mutant uh, gang member comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, I need you, mommy. Make me feel safe, you know, talk soft and all this kind of stuff. And then, boom, glass through the hand. Through the and, th and this is a great example of how great the art is as well and the setup of it. As you say, the slow reveal, but it's literally the last panel on one page and you have to turn the page. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's where you're, there's, like, crash and there's all these shadows and you know, the woman saved, and then another th bolt of lightning. Mm -hmm. And then again, you get a, a, a look no. at how corrupt the soul of Gotham is, that even like a taxi driver, this this guy shoves a woman into the back of his cab, and he's like, no, not in here, and then he gives him money. He's like, all right, make it quick. Yeah. You know, that kind of, this, this is one of my favorite parts of the book as well, because... Um, how brutal as well, like him stomping down. Like, when once they're like, oh, what's that in the top of the car? And then just puts his hand out stomps his food to the like at, yeah. <laughs> at some titans level violence right there <laughs> <laughs> but even just the fact that then there's a glove reaches in takes the money off the driver and, and then you see it being ripped in front of him um, again like the thunder's getting bigger and bigger and taking more and more over the page yeah. um, then we're introduced to Carrie Kelly for the first time who yeah. will of course become a more prominent figure as we go on yeah. uh, but same again so you've got this point where um these two young girls are getting ready to walk through an arcade and then the lights go out and then again that means they can use the shadows more and more i mean this is the first part you get well i mean obviously it's the dark man yeah. returns you know it's batman did you know it's batman this is, is the first point you see batarangs in a yeah. hand um and then taking down mutant leaders and there's a large level of violence but at the same time it doesn't kill anybody um, just when you think they're going to reveal it they go yep. they, they jump to a news report yeah and there's all these lines as you say building up it's like you don't suppose and yeah. you know all this kind of stuff um but the great the, line from the police officer is like oh you're in for you're in for a treat kid again, <laughs> he realizes well again we've talked about just very briefly about how this is a big influence on batman v superman but this is actually a line taken word for word for nolan the dark knight rises is yeah. oh son you're in for a show tonight yeah um which is again the Dark Knight Rises although it's not a blatant reproduction of this you know in that story pardon me Bruce hasn't been Batman for 8 years yeah and then he comes back and, and so on and so forth although what's interesting with Nolan's interpretation compared to this is in the 8, eight years Batman's been away in Dark Knight Rises Gotham's got better yeah it's built on a lie but Gotham's got better <laughs> whereas in this Gotham is just yeah, you know, even, somehow, somehow even worse <laughs> plunged into the depths of hell essentially at this point you know so um, but yeah as you say you've got this build up and build up and build up and then yeah, boom the you turn the page and that's it and, I'm, and is, am I right in saying this is the first splash yeah. page of the whole book as I say there's lots of this 16 panels like I can only imagine how long this t took to draw yeah. um, but it's all 16 page panel or 16 panel pages 
and so forth and then this is the first splash page saving the saving the <clears throat> get the first splash page to be the biggest picture which is like you know, it takes up Batman takes up the whole page yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> and it's probably and again it's some of the best dialogue of the whole book you know yeah. this should be agony I should be a massive aching muscle broken spent unable to move and were I an older man I surely would but I'm a man of 30 of 20 again the rain on my chest is a baptism I'm born again yeah um, and then this is Batman going after I think it was a couple of guys who robbed a bank yeah um, lands on top of the car they end up in a big construction site um and then again, this is something that uh, they took very quickly in Dark Knight Rises, where um, Batman's like, "Oh, these men are mine." You know, yeah. the cops are like, "Yeah, it's your first day in the job, so <laughs> just, just let him go." I think one of the the best things that I like about Dark Knight Returns is just the inner monologues, like him talking to himself, like mm-hmm. you know, like like in that splash page reveal. But you know, um, like there's one there, like there's seven working defenses from this position. Three of them disarm with minimal contact, and three of them kill. But the other just hurts. <laughs> you know I mean, it's like it's that sort of like it's almost like sadistic, but yeah. it's, it's it's like a very dark humor to it, you know. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's like the cops saying, "You've crippled that man. He's he's young. He'll probably yeah. walk, again, <laughs> but he'll stay scared, won't you, punk?" Yeah. Um, is in our dirty Harry right there, isn't he? <laughs> well, the thing is, the the animated adaptation of this is brilliant. It's it's yeah. really really well done. But now I can't read this without hearing Peter Weller's voice, which is a good substitute for Kevin Conroy, for, it is. especially for an older Batman. No, it definitely is. Um, but yeah, so you have this. This is the first reveal of you know Batman properly, and people now know Batman is back. And I love that the first reaction yeah, that, to that, that, that that's just gonna say the first thing you see after seeing Batman being back is the Joker. Is being the back. Joker blank face, blank face, hoping his eyes. Yeah. But 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 Batman, and then it's like, darling. Yeah. <laughs> Big smile on his face, and already you just know the Joker is starting. The cogs yeah. are starting to turn. Um. And then there's some really good sort of political stuff here where, you know, some people are arguing for, I think that's Lana Lang, isn't it? Um, some people are arguing for Batman, some people are arguing against. And this is this is always something I've loved about the character of Batman. I love this interpretation that, in a way, he creates his own villains because yeah. be all these crazy people want to challenge him. Yeah. You know, and, and essentially the Joker's been dormant for 10 years. It is interesting to think how worse Gotham could have got if the Joker wasn't dormant. <laughs> no Batman plus, uh, you know, a rampant Joker. But yeah. um, the fact that he doesn't kill, you know, it's like, well, if you just killed him, then the wouldn't be. I was like, well, you know, that breaks the rule. So yeah. So again, you're going through all the political machinations of it. You know, Gordon's uh, winding down to retire, but obviously he's happy Batman has come back. Mm. And then you start to get the first proper stuff with uh, the mutants. Um, where the mutants are coming on the television and saying we'll kill the old man Gordon and then Batman will be next and we are the future and all this kind of thing um, but again this is another sort of <clears throat> this is another slow reveal this part because you see people going up to the roof again of the Gotham PD yeah. you see it all in shadows and it's like isn't there some other way to call him <laughs> Gordon's like at least a dozen then why to let them know Merkel to let everyone know yeah. hit it and then again big page bat symbol in the air again there's a version of that in the Dark Knight Rises except it's the fire Batman oh, uses yeah. to put the symbol Probably. on the bridge you'll still and as well Kerry Kelly looking up as well so yeah so that's it it's it's starting to be a case of Kerry Kelly starting to be inspired by Batman so yeah. obviously Kerry Kelly as we know will continue to did they, did they ever reveal that she would be uh, Robin and like, like like obviously this is the first time you were seen her but was 
was it just like a random thing? Like, oh, this is like, like yeah, a surprise. This, this was a character created for Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, yeah it's not like Carrie Kelly was a... Because you've never seen an older Batman, obviously. She would have never existed because she's only, what, 15, yeah. 16? That kind of thing. So, But, um, yeah, again, you've already... You've got the Joker starting to... Um, the wheels are starting to turn as he's <laughs> chatting to someone who's come in to, uh, to visit him at Arkham. And already he's starting to talk about, you know, what kind of bombs... Then you've got a couple of great scenes which are definitely something they took for Batman v Superman. All that imagery of Batman with the sniper rifle and yeah. the docks and all that kind of thing. Trying to, it was a Harvey Dent was trying to blow up the Gotham trade, the Gotham Towers. Essentially, was yeah. Essentially, it could be the trade, the World Trade Center or something like that. I do like that. There's a line here with uh, Two Fists. Actually, quite funny where he's like. If you don't want me to do this, the price is five million dollars. I would have made it too, but I've got bills to pay. <laughs> so yeah, actually, has. even even in the crime syndicate, you know, they still have to pay their electricity bills and stuff. You know. Yeah. Um, I think you know mostly. This is all. This is all within the same of the first. This is the all the first, first book. book as well. So there's so much to take. Like the pacing of the first book, just to set up the scene in the world, mm -hmm. is crazy. You know, it's just. Batman's gone. Now he's back. Here's the villains. <laughs> the villains are bad straight away. There's no slow build up. It's like, like it's such a great first issue. Yeah. Anyway, because it has to it has to pull you in. You know. Well, this is another great little touch that I think it was I think it was Frank Miller that introduced this idea first, um, which is where Batman gets shot in the chest. He gets shot on the bat symbol. Uh, yeah. And people have always said like, why does he have such a bright symbol on his chest? It's campy. It's whatever. But there's a line of dialogue there where he says, "Why do you think I wear a target on my chest? Can't armor my head." Um, so it's it's almost a case of it's that's what it. catches your eye as a shooter. Yeah, you aim for that, and then that's obviously where he has the heaviest padding and the heaviest sort of you know, bulletproof vest and so forth. Yeah. And there's a great story that came out of that idea in Detective One Thousand that Kevin Smith wrote. Yes, where they melt down the gun, melt down the gun that killed his parents, and yeah. then he uses that as a as a chest plate. So yeah, you've no, got all this big another big splash page of Batman just swinging from the air of a helicopter, you know, fifty-five-year-old man just <laughs> swinging through. Um, One of the the scene where these chases down Harvey here, and he, he has these has them captured, where he's talking about how like what like what do you see? Is like oh, I just see a reflection, yeah, a reflection of himself, really, you know, which is really really nice. And that concludes just the first book. Yeah. As you say, there's there's so much to take in just from the first book, um, but escalation just continues 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 um so maybe talk about like, favorite scenes or maybe it's a summary of like because like generally there's a lot, lot of tension between of the first book oh just the, of, the, of the book in general you know like the tension between superman and batman because well that's it i think it i think that idea starts to come up in book two is it where you see batman with um yes yeah, so he, he fights that you face the mutants the mutants sort caught. of take uh, center stage in the second book from what i remember yeah yeah so the, the idea of superman's still not really being mooted at this point so <clears throat> the second book sort of begins um with the whole idea of right batman is very much back now yeah it's no longer a secret it's no longer an urban myth batman's back and then you start to see carrie kelly dressing up as robin um I mean, she she has a bit of a strange Robin at this point because she's not really trained in any no. way. She she seems like she has a bit of gymnastics skill because she just sort of flips out of her house, <laughs> yeah, and tells her non-existent parents like she's like hey, I'm I'm away to be Robin now, bye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get the feeling that um, the her parents are just two stoners, really. Yeah. 
because I think they're arguing about some political some political campaign or something like yeah. that yeah so now that Batman's officially back he's starting to hunt down the mutants um, so the first sort of scene here is I think the mutants have kidnapped a child um, it's like the the child who's the heir for um, was it the heir of like some some fortune mm. what is it ba, 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 ba. I'm sure we'll come to it at some point um, but yeah it's uh, essentially the heir to some massive fortune so like right we want a million dollars and then Batman just basically takes them down bit by bit, including one of the greatest parts. Yeah. <laughs> also, also taken scene for scene, pretty much from Batman vs Superman. Yeah. yeah. Where he uh, crashes through the wall and just brings someone through it. Um, so and then so much brute force. It's just like, so like you know, con- well, not maybe not concrete, but you know, it's, they just the fact that he bursts through it. <laughs> it's like I'll kill him. It's like I believe it. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you jump from there. You've got um, Carrie Kelly sort of following Batman around. There's a lot of, again, posturing between who if, sort of... If, if there, should there be a Batman type thing? Yeah. And then that revealed, pardon me, with the uh, the the mutant guy just has hanging off the edge of a thing, just terrorizing him, <laughs> like threatening him. And he's just like, you see the big grin on his face as well, if you, if you sort of flip the page around, he's loving it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you're not really in a position to argue, be arguing with me here, you know. So <laughs> let me show you the situation. Yes, I think the second. Well, that's it. There's a great line of dialogue just for that there, yeah. where he says it was tough work carrying 220 pounds of sociopath to the top of Gotham Towers, the high spot in the city. The scream alone was worth it. <laughs> yeah. The second book definitely focuses more on the the mutant leader and yeah. the mutants in general, because you know he's going through now and he. He eventually ends up at their I think it's like a swamp almost like the outer parts of the city with his tank as it was best be described as a tank well even before you get to that I mean the the stuff with the the mutants on the subway again showing how sadistic they are they they steal a bag off that like this part kills me because it's um it you get introduced to this woman um and she's talking about how her legs hurt and she works two jobs but you know she needs to do that because she's paying for her son's braces mm. um, so she's like she feels the metal square inside her person smiles almost nobody tips anymore but an uptown drunk left ten dollars on the table tonight you know and she's talking about like her son has talent and all this kind of stuff and then one of the mutants just grabs her bag but then stuffs it back to her but then she's walking along and they're smiling in the background then it cuts to a news report and they're like woman, <laughs> woman explodes in some yeah, way it's just like how low can they make these like these bad guys you know? but also just this is how horrible Gotham is that this is just the norm because yeah. the news is like woman explodes in subway station film at 11 you know yeah. it's just like this is this is the way of life of how horrible it is they don't have enough time to report on it <laughs> yeah then you have that class image of you know Batman on the next page what's he is he holding it's a body dripped in an American flag um it does look a little bit out of place it's not like it follows a sequential story so to speak but the person's got a gun in their hand and he just seems to be holding so it's almost like the death of the american dream or something i yeah, suppose some pretty i mean I, I wouldn't i wouldn't put it past miller to do something symbolic as that yeah but uh yeah as you say you're you're starting to see a wee bit more of carrie kelly as well like she's broken up like some guy you know, doing <laughs> illegal cards on the, the yeah. you know, firecrackers and stuff like that so she's got the right idea but you know we haven't quite got to the point where Batman's like burning a new person to train yeah, <laughs> a, new, a new child to steal from the streets <laughs> but uh, yeah so you're starting as you say to get the, the mutant type stuff where you know it's escalating at a point where he's like I need to stop this 
I mean, this is. I mean, we're, we will talk a, a bit, maybe at the end, about favorite scenes and so mm. forth. And it, and it's easy to say the whole book is that, but <laughs> this is one of my absolute favorite parts of the book, which is where Batman attacks the mutants, and he's, as you say, he's in this big massive tank. <laughs> like, I mean, I I'm a big fan, as anybody who knows me, like I'm a big fan of the Nolan movies, and I love the design of the Batmobile in it. And I get the feeling this is where Nolan took his inspiration. It should look like a tank. Yeah. Now, the Batmobile in his movies weren't quite <laughs> as big as this. Um, but I mean, if you look at that guy, if you just assume he's maybe like six feet. Yeah. And that, that thing's about maybe like 15 feet. <laughs> and it's probably just, just as long as well. So, But look at that. Like, the, you know, he, he puts this uh, big warning out. He's like, you know, mutant surrender and R be destroyed. They don't even wait for the order young people these days no respect for history yeah. um but yeah so you've got all of that and then you've got um a part where he's basically the mutant leader is looking down the barrel of the biggest gun from the batmobile mm. and he calls batman a coward and even though he's like i really shouldn't go out here like this guy's got 30 <laughs> years of me but he just dissed me <laughs> he's double the size but he basically just called me a pussy <laughs> and then again you get another beautiful beautiful slash page where he just jumps that's, out that's probably one of the more iconic splash pages like that's yeah that's been recreated so much <laughs> even that uh, that um that thing one that karen has shared before um mm-hmm. it's pretty much the thing but it's in the exact same post uh, yeah even even just before there but when he's talking about the was one of the quips that i like my friend like rubber bullets honest <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so a big fight starts out between them, and this this fight's beautifully visceral and violent, and you know it, it would have been easy to write a Batman book where even though he's in his fifties, he still wins like easily. But you really feel every single punch in this. <laughs> yeah, because you know, it, ass handed to him. Like it, he, he, it kicks off where he's like, you know, I help him swallow the rubbish, and then you know, a beauty to his solar plexus. I worry he might drop too soon. He's like, oh shit, no, <laughs> no, doesn't even feel it. <laughs> he's like, you slow old man. He's like, yeah, he's right. But the fight continues, the fight continues, and there is a page especially where it's just punch after punch, breaks his arm at one point. I should say, there's the mutant leader breaks Bruce's arm. He almost passes um, out. <laughs> he's like, cold, cold, no, don't go into shock. You know, where are you, Dick? As if he was waiting for, you know, Robin to come and save him. And then this is where Kerry Kelly first jumps in and distracts the mutant leader. And then Batman's able to throw sort of some uh, smoke bombs into his face. Mm. Um, and then Carrie Kelly drags him back. Somehow, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he must weigh about twenty-five stone or something. Yeah, drag him by the cape or something like that. You know. <laughs> but then you start to get this is the first inklings of Superman, where you've got it cuts to the present. I can't help but feel this was Frank Miller known the future. I always think of George W. Bush as the president in this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, just, I just do doing the accent in my head now when I'm going to read it. Here, have a mint. I love mints. You know all this kind of stuff. Um. But oh, I love metals. Now, son, but you know, he, I just yeah. read in George Bush's voice. But this is the first time you see the Superman symbol, and Frank Miller's copped a lot of shit through the years for how he treats Superman in this. Yeah. He's essentially a government stooge. He's a government tool. Like even his first introduction is um, him saying "Yes, sir" to the president. Yeah. And he's like, "Good boy." Good boy. Yeah. And but I love how the um, if you ever read it, like the way the flag slowly forms into the S. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah, there's a lot. There's so much symbolism, like you know, for was like truth, justice, in the American way, or something mm-hmm. like that. You know. So yeah, you've got the mutant leader still alive, but he says he defeated Batman and all the rest. Um, so Carrie Kelly is able to get 
Batman back to the Batcave but what's great about it is that this tank is so big there's an operating table in the tank um, and then uh, and he's even like Bruce is even delirious at this point because he's even saying like he's, he's talking to Alfred and he's like no Robin comes with us just because Gary Kelly's in the Halloween costume essentially <laughs> and he straight up straight up says I'm Bruce as well he doesn't say say oh, I'm Gary Kelly what's your name is it oh I'm, my, my name's Bruce and Alfred's like ah, maybe you shouldn't be saying that <laughs> So we get a little bit more of the Joker and the Joker basically just acting to the point where this psycho... I, I get the feeling the psychotherapists in Gotham just want to be like the ones to claim they cured the Joker. Yeah. So the slightest bit of like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm beyond redemption. They're like, yeah, this is the moneymaker here. So this is essentially the Joker carving his way out of Arkham and rejoining society. Yeah. Um, and then really interesting little bit of visual art again where Kerry Kelly's looking at the Robin costume in the glass case. Mm. Um, must be thinking yep that's probably going to be my future right there <laughs> whether she likes it or not yeah even even before that whenever Bruce gets to the cave you know he's still having that inner monologue of the bat essentially like you're not done with me I'm not done yet yeah so he, even if he wants to die he probably won't <laughs> he can't sorry yeah and you see like the eyes of the bat in the mm. dark you know and hisses that kind of thing claiming me as one of your own um, so yeah you get a wee bit of it's more it's it's it, it sort of cuts between like their story and then there's sort of like their story world then, building yeah world building and then there's always like the world building's done through the TV like the, the news reports yeah. you know like someone's watching the news and this is how they're they're finding out everything you know it's a good way of giving is it exposition is that the right word like it's, yeah. yeah it's giving like clarity on what's happening yeah and then what's interesting is as well you, you get the feeling a wee bit of time might pass here with you know Bruce recovering a little bit Mm. in that time he seems to have inspired copycats because um, a guy gets killed in a diner um, he has a gun in his hand and again that's an idea Nolan took and took into the Dark Knight where the start of the Dark Knight there's sort of Batman copycats who are oh, trying yeah. to stop they Scarecrow they hockey pads or something yeah. <laughs> what's the difference between me and you it's like I'm not wearing hockey pads yeah. um, so again that's probably an idea that Miller was one of the first to do Um Again, you get a lovely splash page again of Carrie Kelly looking a bit too happy to be in Bruce's arms. Yeah, but there's definitely a father-daughter dynamic yeah. that eventually builds up even throughout DK2 and DK3, the, the sort of father-daughter build-up. Yeah, but this very much shows Bruce's point of view at this point as well. Like he's talking, with, he's talking with uh, Alfred and Alfred's trying to reason with him, like, don't drag this innocent young girl into this. You know, She's mm. a sweet young girl. Um, and Bruce is like screw that yeah. the war goes on you know in fact he calls J um, he calls Jason a soldier yeah I even call us Carrie Kelly a soldier near the end he's like oh good soldier good soldier yeah so he comes up with a new idea which is going to use Carrie Kelly to infiltrate the mutants um, so he sort of actually, I've actually forgot about that panel as well just the way she's dressed it's so funny <laughs> it's so funny yeah because uh, yeah, the mutant is in jail at this point and then yeah. Gordon sort of pretty much tricks him into coming out doesn't he yeah he so he I think they st they simulate a power cut um, at the police station mm. and then uh, the door opens and there's a little thing over the intercom being like good boy you know what to do with an open door and yeah. he ends up finding a drain pipe um, to escape from yeah. and this is where Batman as a tactician comes into it because the drain pipe leads to this big massive mud pit because what Bruce has basically figured out is, yep, this guy's younger than me. Here it is. Here, um, 
He's fast, faster than I am, and stronger, and seemingly impervious to pain. But they do come smarter, <laughs> and nobody's very fast when he's thigh deep in mud. Yeah. So Batman straight away shows his viciousness. He slices him just above the eye, um, so that the blood's going to pour into his mm-hmm. eyes, and he can just basically take him down. Hits him right in the deltoid, so he can't move his arms or anything. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> and then I'll I'll leave it to you to you know pull out the most iconic <laughs> line for yeah, this whole fight. The most, yeah. So Batman eventually gets him on the ground and. You know, it delivers the most, probably the most badass Batman quote ever. <laughs> it's like, you don't get a boy, this isn't a mud hole, it's an operating table, and I'm the surgeon. And like that bit alone, but the bit after is like, something <laughs> tells me to stop with the leg, I don't listen to it. And the fact that it just looks up at the moon yeah. is just a great way to end that scene. And for me, that that scene alone, even, even, and the anime, the anime film does it justice. I actually think it does it better than the book because mm-hmm. it's so, so much more visceral. It just cemented for me, like, yep, yeah, that is that is the best Batman moment I've ever read in my life. <laughs> Only like second being the headbutt from I Am Bane <laughs> in the, the rebirth. It scene. only took them thirty odd yeah. years to you know, find a second best one for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what what's interesting about this is in this version of Gotham, this then leads to the mutants all essentially disowning the idea of being a mutant yeah. and becoming like a soldier for Batman instead so it's like we are to show you how loyal they always go oh yeah we're actually uh, sons, of, sons, of sons of Batman either yeah so. so they essentially you know put face paint on they're like we'll do whatever <laughs> the Batman does we'll be an, an army for him what, uh, I, what I love about that scene more is this it's immense it's immense and to me it's like like brains over brawn type mm-hmm. thing you know Batman is big like but you may be stronger than him yeah, but he's gonna he's gonna hit smart here regardless. Well, he know. also learns from the first fight. The first fight, he is more of an impetuous, like twenty five year old guy. He's yeah. like, I'm gonna prove I can kick the shit out of you. And he's like, no, maybe not. But <laughs> after he doesn't, he goes away. He learns from it and then comes up with a plan to yeah. obviously take him down. So, um, yeah, so he destroys the mutant leader there. Um, you're now starting to get um, this is Gordon is handing over his badge and gun, isn't it? I do, you know. Yeah, he's a, he's about to be officially um, retired. What's interesting here as well is Gordon says, I think of Sarah. Now, Sarah Essen is who he has an affair with in year one. Ah, okay. So in Miller's version of this, he obviously ends up with Sarah Essen. Yeah. Whereas in year one, he does cheat on her, but Sarah Essen ends up leaving Gotham, I think, okay. at one point. Um, and that's when he's going to try and work on his marriage and so forth. See, I assumed it was just... Um I assume I, I forgot this place called Barbara as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, that might just be. Uh, and my mind was like, oh, he's just talking about Barbara, like his wife, but obviously not. You're saying, yeah, it was from year one, which just shows you obviously, you know, he's creating that sort of universe sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Even if it's just a wee simple nod towards towards it, yeah, that's all you need, really. So yeah, this is uh, essentially finishing book two, and at the end of it, you know, Batman's very triumphant. He's smiling. He's in his um. He's in his study, just looking out at the moon. You know, he he knows this whole idea of the sons of Batman is coming. He's hopefully... I mean, the whole reason he donned the outfit again was to try and bring a bit of peace to the city or to try and bring a bit of order to the city, at least. Mm. Um, And this now is almost a new way of doing it, rather than just, I can do all this myself. Um, A wolf howls, I know how he feels. (laughs) So much much nice, what, like, wee one-liners that are to set the tone of the book. So now you're, the next book is called uh, Hunt the Dark Knight. <clears throat> so we, each each book, I should have said before, each book has a title. 
Um, so Returns. it does. So Dark Knight Returns was the first one. Dark Knight Triumphant. Dark Knight Triumphant, Hunt the Dark Knight, and then when we come to it, number four is uh, The Dark Knight Falls. Yeah. So it starts off with this really cool scene. Um, Bruce in disguise, <laughs> but you don't realize it's straight yeah, away. I I actually didn't realize it was Bruce until until like he starts fading. I was like, okay, this, I thought it was just a random old weird looking person. <laughs> and then they start sprinting away. <laughs> yeah, so you've essentially got a feminazi here. Um, such a Nazi that um, she has swastikas over her nipples. <laughs> um, and they're just doing like a grocery store robbery and there's this sort of looks like an old woman carrying a cart who just happens to be there. Um, but uh, it ends up being that it's actually Bruce in the uh, in the <laughs> I, outfit. I never really got the whole Nazi woman thing because she's in Dark Knight Two, I think, or Dark Knight Three, and it's like they never really brought. It. I think that's just one of uh, like a Frank Miller thing. <laughs> I think it was just <clears throat> creating another villain in the meantime. I think it was just showing the work that Batman was doing in the city and that he was, you know. Obviously, there are these extremists still within Gotham, but he's still... It's not like he thinks he has succeeded in sorting out the city when he yeah. beat the mutant leader. He's continuing with it. <clears throat> but what's interesting is that book three actually begins with Superman narration because the start of it is like... You don't realise it straight away. Again, this is one of the great things about rereading Dark Knight. Yeah. But it's in blue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah sure. And it's like, Bruce, you idiot. You'll ruin everything for all of us. I always knew you would. He's referring to the Justice League as he is. Yeah. yeah, and it's clearly someone flying through the sky. So again, you see that, but then you don't see Superman for a little while. Mm. But uh, I do like that when he does take down the people who are trying to rob the convenience store, that the convenience store owner gets his hands on a gun. And he's like, <laughs> now we settle up. And Bruce like, looks back and goes, pull that trigger and I'll be back for you. <laughs> it's uh, just this wee weird goblin looking thing. Rumble still skin or something. <laughs> Um, but at this point as well you're starting to see Carrie Kelly getting a bit more proficient mm. um, she seems to use a slingshot as her weapon of choice <laughs> but even just there the part where the feminazi is shooting at Carrie Kelly she doesn't look worried or horrified or yeah. um, she just sort of naturally gets out of the way so this is I almost get the feeling this is part of her training Yeah. Um, with Batman continuing here as well um, so yeah you get this kind of stuff <clears throat> so you do and then obviously Bruce ends up catching up to her and um, taking her down and then again you're getting these lovely splash pages again a very very iconic yeah. image that's of, been recreated so many times like Harley Quinn and yeah there's also that that bit as well where if you go back one page sorry like you see Superman mm-hmm. it's like that bit is like oh no not not like not him not not oh, I can't believe I just went past that yeah you're <laughs> right um, yeah so it's got to the point where Bruce is fighting the feminazi and then it's like the narration is softening up. She'll start talking soon. What's that sound? The floor. It's shaking. Not an earthquake. Do not panic. Whatever it is, it's localized. I'm moving across Gotham south side. And yeah, it's like, just comes out and just blasts. Not <laughs> him. Not now. And then just this, like, it almost looks like a blue laser beam, but it's yeah. obviously Superman at the speed of light just going. <laughs> um, and then you hear this. Something leaps a tall building with a single bind. <laughs> we throw back the Superman origins. Um, but I even like that he's Superman's able to speak at some sort of frequency, or maybe he's speaking into Batman's. Um, maybe it's just over the 
over the scene but he's like Bruce we have to talk yeah. giving away his identity as well by the way bloody Clark yeah. never um, but I like that Bruce's response is I'm busy tonight you've just cost me hours <laughs> fine we'll talk tomorrow morning my place stay out of my way until then I've, you know, basically I have still stuff to do giving orders to the most powerful man on the planet yeah there's only one person could do that you know? um, yeah that, that I like again all the splash pages of this are so iconic yeah. <laughs> and they all have Batman taking up so much of the page as well you know You'd and love- now, now Carrie Kelly is taking up a big chunk of the page well, you, know. you would love to see that original art I'm mm-hmm. telling you um, so yeah you've got uh, Batman and Carrie Kelly doing some investigation doing some bits and bobs they come across this um, exploding doll this is all going to lead up to what the Joker's plan is um, but now you start to see Clark in all his glory <laughs> Um, so Clark and Bruce have this um, chat which I present well Bruce said at my place so this is yeah. obviously like a ranch part of you know Bruce's uh, Wayne Manor and so forth but it's interesting Superman doesn't look any older yeah I think um, in the uh, in the animated series he has like is he not next I'm almost certain he's next to a bald eagle or something is, it, is he not next to like an American flag or something he's like yeah, a proper, proper patriot something like that you know whereas Bruce is in the background petting the wolf <laughs> Um, but yeah, so essentially, um, oh, that's what there. Sorry, there's like an eagle, like red. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, at this point, Superman is essentially doing whatever the president wants, and the president has basically said, you know, we need you to sort this whole Batman problem out because the the political side of, of Gotham and of I suppose of America at this point, they don't want Batman back. No, Gotham's know. a bit of a joke. <laughs> oh, Gotham is like a slum state, and they don't care, but they don't want this essentially criminal because there is a line in here of you know we're criminals Alfred yeah. we've always been criminals um, I, I really like it's sort of subtle but there's a lot of tension in this scene with just Bruce and Clark talking and they're just they're, Bruce, Bruce is sitting there like yeah. you're not going to stop me you know and everybody's like well I'm going to have to stop you it's like well you made the best man win <laughs> no, I mean, it's so it's so cocky and then obviously Bruce had, uh, Clark leaves yeah uh, was that, is that supposed to be like Nixon or something like the it's, who the president's looked after <laughs> quick little wee scene there with Alfred actually just after Superman flies away Alfred your accountant's waiting in the west wing sir Bruce tell him I'm sick <laughs> Alfred shan't have to lie have <laughs> 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 a refugee charity called Bruce write them a check <laughs> Alfred the committee for prevention of obsessive behaviour in middle aged men <laughs> Bruce <laughs> write them a check very good sir your sense of humour is king as ever <laughs> Um, but now you start to see the, the, the part of Superman he's going to defuse a, a national situation this is um, very it's almost like Cold War type thing yeah, yeah it seems like you know, it's like stopping because it looks like a Russian missile yeah. like a star type thing you know and you also get a bit of information on other characters within the DC universe here just fleeting mentions you know Diana went back to her people Hal went to the stars yeah. I've walked the razor's edge for so long but you Bruce you and your wild obsession <laughs> um, so now we're at a point where the Joker is going to go on television um, <laughs> just like psychiatrists are just such idiots in Gotham it's ridiculous <laughs> let this guy loose yeah it's just like oh we're going to put him on the news and you know we're going to show how um, oh, show how we have helped you know redeem you but there's a great wee panel there where the psychiatrist says the Joker just be yourself <laughs> it's the worst thing you could be you sort of give a wee look as well yeah. <laughs> like, are, you, are you sure so uh, yeah so at this uh, sorry I should say at the same point that Joker's getting ready to go on TV the police Yindel has made it her um, 
she hates Batman essentially. Yeah. Her main quota as the new commissioner is we're gonna hunt Batman down. So they're hunting him and hunting him, but of course Batman gets away and you know he keeps moving in and out of smoke and all that kind of stuff. Um But you have Joker on this uh chat show and Joker's just like, Yeah, I'm gonna kill everyone in this room, just you watch. They're like, ah, good joke. <laughs> <laughs> Coughing really loudly. <laughs> you know, and and this sort of shows like what are the Gotham PD thinking at this point? They're using all this resources, attack helicopters, loads of their best SWAT trained agents <laughs> to hunt down Batman instead of policing this <laughs> proven lunatic who's on a talk show instead of increasing security around it. Yeah. They allow that to happen because they're so obsessed with hunting down Batman. I know. Um, Joker's looking pretty... Uh pretty big there as well isn't it in the, in where he's talking to him he's pretty jacked it looks like <laughs> yeah it does look a bit more jacked than normal I would say um, but yeah so it's interesting as well that, that this was something um, Frank Miller was always criticised for that um, he basically turned Catwoman into a prostitute mm. um, no one else had really done this in year one she actually is a prostitute but in this one she is um, it says here Kyle escort service so she's almost become like a madam yeah um, so she has it just um, and the Joker comes to see her and he actually kidnaps her so he does um, but Bruce ends up catching up with her and, and freeing her what's interesting is when he does catch up and free her she's dressed up as Wonder Woman <laughs> which is a bit weird um, and, and she actually says to him you know he's worse than ever yeah. um, so the Batman now makes it his mission to go after the Joker and this leads to some of the best stuff in the book I think oh, yeah, you're um, proper in like the meat of the book now like, yeah. the, like everything's been established all the characters have been established like now we're going to set up the storyline where it's the Joker and then after Joker it's like Superman so yeah then, you know. well it's almost like with because this is I mean obviously this there was more books that you know came out of this as a result but I think what Miller was trying to do with this was he was trying to show his last the last time he'll he'll fight Dent the last time he'll fight Joker the last time he'll fight Superman yeah they're trying to show all of his sort of final confrontations almost. Mm-hmm. So we've already had Dent at this point. Now we're on the Joker who suddenly feels alive again because Batman's back to challenge him and you know He runs in the uh, the fairground or like a circus type thing in there. Yeah. Or? So he's in the fairground, he's setting off smoke bombs, I'm no doubt laced with, you know, Joker toxin and <laughs> so forth. But he's just straight up killing people, I think, as well. <laughs> or is he's injuring people at least? Well, it's, there's some great stuff here because obviously Batman will always hold back slightly when it comes to Joker. He doesn't want to kill him. Mm-hmm. But there's a part here where Batman's got batarangs in his hands. He's like, no, Joker, you're playing the wrong game. The old game. As <laughs> if to say, look, I've changed. I understand that it maybe takes more. Yeah. And he says, tonight you're taking no hostages. Boom, batarang straight in the eye. Yeah. And even Joker says, out of your mind. <laughs> which has to be one of the most ironic lines of all time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so you've got Carrie Kelly off. She's trying to save hostages on uh, roller coasters and stuff like that. So it leaves Batman the Joker to be what? Mano a mano. Um, sort of like uh, either it's running the House of Mirrors, you're saying. Sort of, like, <laughs> sort of like that you're saying that Detective Comics one shot where the Joker makes Batman go through all the yeah. lights. <laughs> but you got to love this as well. Like, like the Joker, it's a weird thing to say almost, but this Gotham is so deprived and like kids are so desensitized to violence. They actually look at the Joker, for lack of a better term, as a bit of a joke. Yeah. Like, Joker's running through the Hall of Mirrors, and this little kid goes, you're the Joker, right? Batman's going to kick your ass. <laughs> like, if this was 30 years prior, if a kid saw the Joker, they'd run the other way. They'd mm. get away from it as soon as possible. But in this case, they're like, hi, you're an idiot. We're going to mm. take you down. Um, so we are. 
and then Batman. There's some great art there where the in the mirrors in the background it just has. Oh Batman yeah, I, I actually never noticed that before. Yeah, it has them sort of warped in different ways there, and it's actually Joker hunt or sorry Batman hunting the Joker. Yeah. Um, and the Joker actually ends up shooting him because he does say, "Oh, he gets a good one in." Yeah. And then this leads to just a really great fight between the two of who wants it more almost. Um, so yeah, Carrie Kelly saves everybody in the roller coaster while Batman continues fighting the Joker. They go through a wee, a wee tunnel. We love tunnel. <laughs> tunnel <of love. laughs> yeah, I mean, um, Schneider explored a lot of this later on with Death of the Family, where Joker always said, like, you know, pardon me, I'm your real family. I'm your court jester. Yeah. You know, I complete you. You complete me. And that's very much what this seems to be doing. You know, as you say, like tunnel of love that they're in. <laughs> you know, that's how the Joker ultimately dies. Like, um, just he stabs him right in the rib there or right in the stomach yeah. they're both lying there like bloodied and beaten <laughs> but uh, Batman's actually broken his neck and then the Joker finishes it himself basically doesn't he yeah because yeah, I always got confused about that but I was like did the Joker just kill himself yeah so <laughs> you see it on the, so you've got this double page spread which culminates in you know Joker lying there dead and Batman holding his chest but on the left hand page you see like a sort of a crack and Batman has his hands on Joker's face. Yeah. So you get the feeling he's sort of broken his neck there because Joker doesn't really struggle afterwards. But then when you get to the second page there's a little bit here. With the devil's strength he twists and twists what le what's left of his spine goes. So in a sense the Joker kills himself. Yeah. You know, Batman was close to doing it but... He paralyzed him he said yeah. Yeah. P paralysis really yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh that culminates the end of that and that was a great way to end book three yeah. book four begins exactly where it's where book uh, three ended so the police think they've got Batman cornered um, in the tunnel of love so they send in loads of backup and all the rest but he spits on the he spits on the Joker's face <laughs> in that first panel just to I, waste, I waste one second <laughs> with a goodbye <laughs> yeah so it's pretty much Carrie Kelly getting them out of there yeah and uh, did they have like I don't know if they, they have like a bat copter, the bat helicopter type thing, yeah, because he just sort of hooks on. Yeah. Just, just like, get me out of here type thing, yeah. He's bleeding out, essentially. There's some great stuff there where it's, um, Batman looks back at the Joker, who's now, his whole body's on fire. Batman's <laughs> like, stop laughing, sort of thing. But yeah, as you say, it's a big, massive uh, action set piece. Batman ends up getting hooked up to the, um, and again, this is something that Nolan took in The Dark Knight. There's yeah. the part in the building when he goes to China. Or sorry, Hong Kong. Yeah. And he needs to get out of the building quickly, and he gets yanked out by the helicopter. Okay. Um, so that's something. Fifty years since I've watched the Dark Knight film. That's just a travesty. <laughs> <in itself. laughs> that's no. a whole, that's a whole another podcast. Um, right? <laughs> I know what we're watching once we finish recording. Um, yeah. So you're into the last uh, book. So um, this is just this is all Superman based, really. Yeah. It's all leading to now. Superman's basically realized if I don't stop him, no one will. There's a little line of dialogue there in his head saying, Bruce, it's over. Yeah. Um, and someone says, you look tired, Kent, which to me isn't saying he looks tired. It's just saying that he looks resigned to what he has <laughs> to do now. And he's just like, I really don't want to do this, but I have to do it. Mm. Um, it's also the first time it shows the, the idea of the heartbeat, which you will see, obviously, utilized oh, yeah, true. more uh, further in. Um, but yeah, so Superman essentially um, flies across to Gotham. Stops a nuke on its way, of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and people say that he hits Frank. He hits Superman. He make him look. He cool. does make him very <laughs> heroic several times. But I do wonder if they're trying to say that this is why Batman's able to beat him because he's weakened by the nuke. 
Oh yeah, that's um, true. But uh, yeah, so it's all leading to this big confrontation now um, with Batman and Superman, and uh, another again another stunning splash page. It's so, it's, Batman's it's on a so, big massive horse. It's so good they make it. A, they made it a statue. They did make a statue. <laughs> yeah, at this point. It was like a EMP, or it was a nuke detonated over the atmosphere and shut out all the electricity, yeah. which caused like riots. And then Batman takes the horse into the town and to try and restore order. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, because you've got half of the mutants are still loyal to the mutants, but the other half are now the sons of Batman, so to speak. So there's riots in the street, and you know the mutants are breaking out of jail, and then that's when um, they all start sort of fighting amongst themselves. Um, he has his own wee personal army here where he's like you know like tonight we are the law stuff like that so it's so cool <laughs> and then yeah so as I say you've got Superman who had helped sort of stop this nuke he is um, trying to recover he's saying like I only need to reach the sun mm. um, oh he's shriveled up by the uh, <laughs> shriveled up by the nuke and yeah comes a skeleton essentially which is pretty pretty creepy looking zombie, super, Superman zombie <laughs> Not, not to be revisited for another 30 years and deceased um, so yeah as you say Batman's trying to bring order back to the streets again another great splash page with yeah. Batman on the horse the sons of the Batman falling Carrie Kelly on a horse as well they're trying to bring peace back to Gotham um, and then that all leads to Oliver Queen actually I've, we always do forget about this part <laughs> but uh, yeah as I say so Batman's brought a bit of order back to the street and then they're saying like one week later it's still dark at high noon it's still winter in August but you know things are improving um, but now it's reached a point where he's been there essentially right. Superman's on his way yeah that's <laughs> that, that bit that great page there where it just says where question yeah. mark yeah because <laughs> they know it has to happen now yeah so leads to a confrontation in the street where um, Clark thinks that uh, Bruce is in the Batmobile, but he actually tears it open, and there's Gary Kelly with a uh, slingshot. <laughs> so man's like, isn't tonight a school night? And then now we're into the meat and bones of it. So this is essentially, again, what was um, the basis for the fight in Batman v Superman. Yeah. Um, I think it takes the same beats, but obviously it has a different outcome. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of the same beats. I mean, they even recreated some of the panels. There's a part in it. So Batman at this point is in a sort of his mech armor bat suit, and uh, armored bat suit, I should say. Mm. And uh, there's a part where he punches Superman. It's like this big splat, sort of half splash page. They recreated that perfectly in yeah. the movie. Like even they even got where the capes were <laughs> down to down to a T. But uh, yeah, so there's this big massive fight between the two, um, and. Superman has Bruce on the ropes, but as we said, Oliver Queen comes in at this point and he actually fires a kryptonite uh, arrow at Superman, which he catches, but then it explodes around him. Mm. That's where um, he pretty much gets get stuck into him. He's like, well, now he's weak. This is the best chance you're going to get. You know? But even still, what's great here is, I mean, people, as I say, have accused Miller of hitting Superman, but even at this point where he's weakened one of the first things he says is Bruce your heart as if he's like yeah. you're going to die here I don't want you to die but what's interesting is he says Bruce your heart and then Bruce like you're beginning to get the idea Clark this is the end because <laughs> yeah. um, obviously he's got a plan for getting out of here but um, yeah they have this great big fight and 
if you're listening to this, Kaelin, this is where it proves that Batman yeah. is better than Superman. <laughs> I want you to remember, Clark, in all the years to come, in your most private moments, I want you to remember my hand at your throat. I want you to remember the one man who beat you. And then this is where you get the, the heartbeat and you think Bruce Wayne is dead. Um, which, you know, clearly Alfred can't take. Because <laughs> yeah, he just straight up dies. Alfred straight was. up dies, like... <laughs> Um, the next way, day William Manor explodes as well well that's it Alfred had set up this protocol where everything was going to explode and everything was going to um, be destroyed um, but that doesn't stop the word getting out like they figure out that you know Bruce Wayne was Batman yeah. um, and that's all reported in the news it's at Bruce's funeral you've got Selina who's disconsolate you know she's looking at Clark going son of a bitch I know you killed him um, and Clark looks rather disconsolate but as he walks away of course you get that famous ending oh, Carrie yeah. Kelly standing in the background and uh, she, she dressed oh yeah she dresses she's in disguise because <laughs> she's waiting for everybody to leave so she can essentially dig up the body just, um, just, just put it in the ground she's already digging them up but you know as Clark's starting to walk away you can just hear like a little heartbeat a little murmur then he looks at Carrie Kelly and sort of winks at her as if to say <laughs> I know he's alive but yeah. well played I'll leave you to it um, and then Bruce has a plan and leads on to DK2 <laughs> uh, yeah DK2 not quite the same uh, masterpiece yeah. that Dark Knight Returns is um, but yeah uh, the best Batman story ever written oh yeah without a doubt <laughs> unshakable unless you know some Miller some higher rates another Dark Knight Returns quality <laughs> book I well, mean Superman's I like Superman's before Superman Year One's been good so far. I mean, we, we should say this is Frank Miller at his absolute peak. He yeah. had been writing Daredevil for Marvel. He was writing, you know, Batman. He had done Ronan, which was um, his own sort of story. He had then went on to do Year One. Yeah. DK2 then comes along and that sort of begins a bit of a downward trajectory for Miller and he becomes less proficient with the work he's doing. Um, but then comes back with DK3, although that was co written by Bran Azrello. Yeah. And I have a soft spot for DK3. I think it's good. I think it's very good. I don't think it's Dark Knight Returns level good. But I don't think anything ever will. <laughs> but a lot of the, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Plus, he totally changes his opinion on Superman and DK3. I think I start to still used to great moments with both of them in the the Kryptonite Reign. Kryptonite Reign is definitely probably the best part. Yeah, because Batman has built a suit in DK3 that can withstand the Kryptonite Reign for Clark. Yeah, so that he's not affected by it. Um, the big smiley has on it as well. I know <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a frown, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, I I always say Dark Knight Returns in my top three. It and Hush are immovable. Yeah, and Court of Owls is usually the third one. Though sometimes Long Halloween creeps into it, depending on my mood. Um, what would you say your, is your favorite scene? Um, for me, it has to be taken down the mutant leader. Yeah, probably has that, to that, be. that 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 cements it. Like that's like okay, yeah. Doesn't I mean, get... there's there's so many great moments in it, um, but that is just because the thing is as well, it's it's a shorter fight than I remember. Like, see the first time he fights the mutant leader, it's about 10 pages long. Yeah. See when he comes back and takes him in the mud, it's two pages. It's like, you, efficient, yeah. dumb. <laughs> it's like, get out of the way. Sure. Yeah, people are going to start following me So um, after this. Um, yeah, I can't emphasize it enough. I mean, we, we will always have Dark Knight Returns in stock if it sells. It's straight back in. Um, I don't think they're ever going to stop printing it. <laughs> I would say not. I mean, it's it's been printed in so many ways. Absolute editions, you know... 30th anniversary editions, 20th anniversary editions, 10th anniversary editions. That's a man with 30th anniversary edition, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's... leather-bound one as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to think it's 33 years later and no one has bettered it. 
Um, yep. And that's that's in every possible aspect, whether it's art, story, yeah. writing. I think that's that's one of the best things. Well, like even if you know, people may not like Frank Miller, but it's just sort of like sort of like we. Gloatful things, you know. Like, yeah. Well, I, I may, may not like him, but you know, he wrote the best Batman story ever written. <laughs> and stuff and, like if people who know me, like I love to joke about it. Yeah. I, I do like I do believe it, but I also love because I know people don't like him as much as they used to. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What's interesting is, yeah, as I say, he wrote this, which was essentially the last Batman story, or at least him when he's older. And then a couple of years later, he would write an origin story called Batman Year One. Yeah. If I was gonna, if someone was new to Batman, though, I wouldn't give them Dark Knight Returns no, straight I, away. I, no. Um, it's a bit too heavy. It's a bit too dense, which is one of its strengths. But if you're new to the medium, I would I would start with Year One, or I would start with Court of Isles, um, even Hush maybe. Mm. But I think with this. Once you've read Batman a bit, maybe then give them like, oh, oh yeah, tend to change your opinion on everything you've ever known about Batman. That's it, right? <laughs> then you hand them the Bible that is, you know, <laughs> Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, to emphasize just how important it's been, it's, it's influenced everything, as I say, from the Nolan movies to Batman v Superman lifted heavily from it. Um, there's been the animated adaptations, which are very, very good, right, uh, I would say. And as I say, like its influence is still being felt through. I mean, I I would defy any comic creator, whether they're an artist or writer, to not have at least read this at least ten times. Yeah. Um. It's just it is a masterpiece of storytelling and a great example of how good the comic medium can be. Um. Yeah. Can't really give it any higher praise on that. Definitely ten out of ten for me. <laughs> five out of five, maybe five out of five, ten out of ten. <laughs> 10 out of 10 just enough bats yeah just enough bats <laughs> yeah so there you go so that's us warbling on for a good uh, Jesus hour and 20 minutes <laughs> longer than I expected <laughs> uh, I'm getting the looks for, I'm getting the usual looks from Vicky when I uh, stated this will be 30 to 45 minutes um, but yeah it's just it's a book that just demands conversation and uh, yeah can't recommend it highly enough so yeah I'd just like to Thank Jared for taking time out to come and do this with me before he deserts us all. Thank you very much for, I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, there's no better book to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I'll just leave it on a note of, you know, this was obviously doing Dark Knight Returns. This is the book that meant so much to Jared. This is an open invitation to anybody who comes into the store. If you ever want to sit down and chat about a book that meant something to you, um, a book that got you into comics, that's the whole idea for this. One of the things we like to preach at Coffee and Heroes is, you know, community and inclusiveness and, you know, we, we love to have a conversation about this stuff. We love to get everybody involved. So this is not a closed network. I really want this to be an open network if people do want to chat about it and they're happy to record it and yeah. obviously we put it out there. But you have to start with the best first. <laughs> obviously, um, you know, it's it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Maybe I should just stop this idea right now. Yeah. Um, no, as, as I say, this is completely open to anybody who's interested in it. So just pop in the store and we can, we can have a chat. Um, but yeah, until next time, again, just like to thank Jared for joining me. And uh, see you later. I'm sure I will be recording again soon. Cheers, <laughs> guys. Mm-hmm.